Hello there everybody, my name is Sophie Aldred and I had the enormously great pleasure of playing the character of Ace in Doctor Who. And I would like to just remind you that you are listening to Gallifrey Public Radio. It's not private, it's public. And it means that you, the public, can listen to this Gallifrey Public Radio. And I'm very honoured to be on it and interviewed by it. So I hope you really enjoy the interview with me and all the other amazing stuff that they put out. And thank you, thank you, thank you for supporting Doctor Who all these years and for all this time. Because without you, Doctor Who wouldn't be the show it is today. This is Gallifrey Public Radio, a weekly podcast dedicated to positive enjoyment of Doctor Who. We travel through classic and new episodes, explore the extended universe, and play a few games from time to time. We do discuss news, content that has been officially released, and the occasional interesting rumor, but we'll warn you before anything considered spoilers comes up. Welcome to episode 480 of Gallifrey Public Radio, where emotions run so high, we've got to rig two TARDISes together to try and contain them all. I'm Julie. I'm Kier. I'm Haley. And I'm Jay. And this week, 90 Minutes contains hours upon hours of appearances, explosions, and battles of wit as Chris Tribnell writes a farewell to the 13th Doctor and a love letter to generations of the Doctor Who fandom. The power of the Doctor sees the Master back with a plan that combines the newly minted Cyber Masters, Daleks, Volcanoes, and a high-risk Time Lord punishment to try and rid history of the Doctor altogether. When Kate at Unit brings in Tegan and Ace as consultants on the counter-assault, we think things will improve. Until we learn the Master's having ingested Siberium gives him a strategic edge, and a forced regeneration puts him literally in the Doctor's shoes— Hey, did, did we predict that? In an entertaining bit of I saw this pseudoscience coming, current and past incarnations of the Doctor merge to guide our heroes to the means to not only restore 13, but thwart the seismic demise of the planet. But the, the Master gets their last licks in, however, and deals a blow to the Doctor that leads to a true regeneration. But for reasons we're not going to have until November of 2023, the face that emerges from the, the orange glow looks awfully familiar. What? What? 
probably safe to say we all enjoyed this era-ending special. Without diving too deeply into the weeds, what was everyone's absolute top-shelf worth-it-all aspect of this final episode? Among all of the cameos, expected and unexpected, I don't know which one uh, got me, uh, hit me in the heartstrings the most, but seeing the support group at the end with the companions was something that I absolutely had no idea was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so kudos to to the team for keeping that uh, well under wraps for uh, for that period. But specifically seeing Ian Chesterton looking across at Mel, looking across at Joe, and and just it amazes me that that's never been done before. Yeah, plot wise, it just it. It warmed my heart. Plural. (laughs) (laughs) Just a little moment that I really enjoyed is when Yaz was meeting Ace and um, and Tegan. And she said, Tegan said, we used to be you. And just that look on Yaz's face of like, oh, no, is this is this what happens once the doctor and I part ways? Like, is it that soon? Is it coming? That whole scene was amazing. You got to watch Mandy really closely through that sequence in particular because I caught it on the rewatch. And even though she doesn't have a lot of interjection lines, her expression says so much. And then every once Mm -hmm. in a while when she casts those little side glances at the doctor, waiting for the doctor to give some more explanation and it doesn't come, Mm -hmm. uh, absolutely nails it. She's amazing in that scene. Yeah, absolutely. There were so many things that I, I absolutely loved about this but I think the one that the one that's going to stick in my brain the longest for for various reasons is Yaz friggin' flying the TARDIS like a pro. Like, when do we get that spinoff series? She's got the post-its. Yeah, when she, when, when she can put the, uh, the crash manual away. As soon as she's got that down. <laughs> she had an entire episode that or, or like a whole season in between the time that we see her doing these things. So yeah, I'm good. I would be good with that. I love the fact that the master calls her out on it too. When he sees him on it, like it flips him with his hand and goes, Oh, bless. (laughs) (laughs) I have to say the most powerful thing for me about this episode is the women power. This episode was all about women taking charge and following through, sticking it to the whole universe and all of them with their own individual talents, putting them to use. And I, when I think back on each of the moments where the tide starts to turn, you just see each of them just coming through and being powerful and impactful. And that's amazing. Now the, the story itself, uh, as Jay said at the intro, it's like, three hours of material packed into 90 minutes, which is kind of indicative of how a lot of series 13 went, but feels very differently now. I, amazing. I'm sure we'll get to that. But but this story gave a lot of love to classic fans, as well as those who were firmly in the in the in the corner of 13 and, and her fam. But aside from those specific categories of viewers, we've got modern viewers who don't really have the classic frame of reference. Uh, and modern viewers who, and, and this is totally okay, uh, tapped out of the Flux series, but came back to watch this outro. So do you think that the plot of the story uh, and, and all the references and everything that, that's in it do okay in serving that audience as well? 
I think it does. I think that the the story itself, while you may not understand the significance of the people showing up, it it's not they're not in there superfluously. Like it's not a oh that we're throwing this person in so that we can throw the person in. Like they all kind of play a role, um, with possibly with the exception of the support group at the end. But that's that it's built to be like here throw people in. So. If you even if you don't know who the people are, I don't think that it you you recognize that you're missing something, but it doesn't detract from the story. It's not like okay, I don't I don't know what's going on here. They're clearly just doing this to have a person there. For me, I think it falls into the way that they introduced everybody. So you get Ace and Tegan investigating, and then they're introduced as kind of going back and forth. When the doctors show up, you get them directly interacting with each other and sort of all spaced together before you see them interact with the companions that they matched up with. So I think the way that the introductions happened help the audience who may not understand exactly who they are mm. put two and two together by the end of the episode. So you kind of get that solid ground, whereas we know who they are, but without that slow introduction, uh, I think they would have, people would have been more lost. Granted, this is us speaking as ones who know it, but... Right. Uh. Well, I was not too long ago a strictly new who person. And I, even not knowing exactly who these people were, I would have understood the weight of them just by how they're presented in the show. Um, I think you would recognize that these are former doctors based on how the doctor's interacting. These are former companions based on how they're being introduced and the way they're being given screen time. But I would say the only thing we're really missing, if you missed Flux, uh, is where Vinder came from. There's not yeah, a lot else true. that really depends on you knowing Flux. And even then, they all you really know is that he's another character that came in. It would have been mm -hmm. nice if there had been the modern doctors there, which is harder because a lot of them are much bigger actors at this time than the classic guys. And then it would have been nice to see some modern companions, but because of how most of our modern companions have exited, it wouldn't have made sense really to have most of them in. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think that that was my one sticking point with the the selection at the end is we, we didn't have anyone from the modern era that wasn't one of Jody's companions. So it, it, I, I would have liked to have seen like maybe Martha Jones in there. She's the but, only like, one you could get though. That's yeah, that's true. I'm not mad, though, because I feel like those would have been potentially more throw it in there because they are still alive and around kind of things. And I I feel like this was a good testament with having, like you said, Jay, people that mattered to the story, not mm -hmm. just let's try to put all the star power we can from everyone who's available. And even the doctors, I feel like those doctors maybe I'm wrong because I haven't seen a bunch, but I feel like they are ones who interacted well with their companions and that's why they were included except sixy, but I don't know. Right. Well, um, with well, McGann too. Yeah. Well, with the exception of, of because we have David Bradley, you know, not being able to have representation for some of our, uh, our actors who have passed, um, they reached out to, to, Tom Baker, but couldn't get things to to work chronologically to be able to have him in uh, in studio. His his health is not fantastic right now. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, it, it, 
I don't think it would have really clicked necessarily to have the modern Doctor iterations in there because it would get really... We know we're not going to get Eccleston. And um, Matt Smith is busy as heck. Uh, and Tennant, you know, well, he's he's on reserve because you, <laughs> yeah. can't, you can't touch him right now. So yeah, I, I get that. <laughs> he's um, elsewhere in the TARDIS at the moment. <laughs> but I, I would have wondered if they could have done something like the 11th hour where they would do, you know, images or, you know, um, River opening up her wallet and all of the pictures of all of her husband's iterations fall out. <laughs> something to kind of... I know this isn't an anniversary episode and you normally save that sort of thing as, but this, this felt like it had that kind of, as we call it, that, that, that love letter aspect yeah. to it. So you, you could have, you could have gotten away with it. it. It It's one of those things that like it, it was great the way it pulled, they pulled it off, but because anything was lacking, we feel like we kind of were like, Oh, but, but you could have done this. Like it's, I want sprinkles on top of the Sunday too. Like the, the Sunday's fantastic, but what about a cherry? You know, ew, crushed walnuts, gross. <laughs> so from the cameos to the gallbacks to the ten again twist at the end, there was enough jammed into this ninety-minute adventure to spend hours parsing it. We won't, but overall, public response has largely said that this was Chibnall's best writing for the show. Saying this in the kindest way possible. Why now? You quite literally have no time left, so you might as well make it big and do it well. For those of you who have stuck it out to this point, congratulations. I can prove to you that I actually can write a really compelling, engaging, emotionally <laughs> invested story that shows that I really, really love this show. I feel like the the restrictions of COVID might have played into that because he he was always talking about his plan. You know, he had He had a whole plan going on. And in the final act, gets thrown this curveball that really kind of ruined what he he was planning on doing. And so maybe maybe we were always going to lead up to this kind of thing. Maybe Flux was meant to be more in line with this. We're never going to know, unfortunately. But I mean, if you're if you're gonna go out and leave a memory in people's minds, this is the way to do it. I think I was thinking something similar, but but on a slightly different angle. Uh, we've kind of come to the conclusion that Flux was meant to be something different and it got truncated, right? And that's what left a lot of people Mm -hmm. questioning it. Um, And as for his writing in in Series 11 and Series 12, when he was at the helm, uh, a lot of times those stories didn't didn't feel like they landed quite, uh, his stories in particular, uh, didn't feel like they were landing quite right. Uh, But he had an agenda. He had always said that he had a story a story that he wanted to tell and he was laying this out very systematically um whether it mm-hmm. was the primary uh plot line or the or the b plot uh within another adventure i think by the time you get around to this as the finale and you know that you're starting to you're starting with your blank canvas and you're writing that he's had some time over the course of these however many years it was before he started penning this over this 5 year span i, I actually i i honestly think he took f- feedback yeah. From from the viewers and saying, you know, this was convoluted. This was extraneous. I don't understand why this character was brought in. I didn't get enough explanation on this. Why am I not spending more time actually getting to know these characters rather than just shoving them from crisis to crisis to crisis? And he solved that for the most part. There was a lot more breathing room and a lot more quiet moments just watching the emotions. Like you said, when the companions meet each other, the doctor thinking through and not 
cutting those moments short where the doctor's planning in her head and taking that moment to figure it out and then jumping around and doing stuff. Mm. I think the format gives it a little bit more of that open airtime as well. And I think that is one of Chibnall's strengths is writing for that longer format. And when you take someone who writes like that and cut them off, it does feel truncated and you don't get some of those connective interstitial pieces that let it flow and make it make sense. Yeah, you can't sprint for 90 minutes. Corgi legs will tell you <laughs> otherwise, but. <laughs> well, I think true. we kind of decided with Flux, we probably had 10 hours of story that got pushed into six hours. And this felt yeah. like we probably had two hours of story the story that got pushed into an hour and a half. And that, that's an easier squeeze yeah. to make. Yeah, I mean, there were, there was definitely one point I remember thinking like, oh God, here we go with the, the bombastic, like just rushing from one scene to the next. And then- I didn't think that at all for the rest of the time. So the, like, there was pacing in there that, that helped to give you the breathing room. And it, at the end of it, I, I didn't feel exhausted and worn out like I did with a lot of flux. Yeah. I was having a, a really quick offline conversation with our friend, uh, Don Cleese from over at Acorn media. And we were talking about the fact that, you know, he's always had this issue with, uh, with the fact that you can, like, you can see where the, uh, where the, uh, the drywall has been, patched together, right? The sanding on on some of the edits is not mm. always terribly smooth. Um, and, and some of that does linger in this story. There are a couple things where you're like, ah, I don't know, I don't know. If you, it, I, either there was more to this conversation or we needed a little bit more explanation as to why this was the case or uh, did Vinder really need to be there or all those kind of things. But it nets to the good because the emotional beats are so strong so so valuable and and such a such a rewarding aspect that that just reminds us this this guy has been a diehard fan of the show since he was a child and has been you know involved in trivia competitions and all these things as he was growing up knew that he wanted to be like like capality like tenant knew that they wanted to be part of this universe from from early early ages and it shows on that note, though, yes, someone has to be there to shoot the gun. Yeah. <laughs> True. I do love the fact that Ace knows where all the secret compartments are in the floor. <laughs> oh, yeah. And the fact that she had stashed a go bag in unit headquarters. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> With all the extras, yes. Her left eye has to be like a fake detector of storage spaces. And yeah, it's definitely something like that. <laughs> Wouldn't put it past her. So I, I want to take a couple of minutes to see what what everyone thinks of some uh, some walkaway observations that that a lot of fans have been discussing online since Sunday night. So quick answers here, uh, if you think you've got one. First off, the the Dan plan with his abrupt exit in Act One. Do do we feel like he deserved more screen time? I feel like it would have been better if they'd given him that same exit at the end of the last special, and then he comes back kind of like Graham did uh, in this special. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, that whole train sequence in the beginning just felt a lot like it's like, all right, we've got to give uh, Dan a reason to to tap out. So let's throw this whole sequence in there and shoot him in the face. And then, yeah, that's going to be the whole thing. My initial reaction to his exit was very much, ah, why did he leave? But then when I rewatched it and really thought about it, I think 
it was necessary to allow the, and Kieran and I had kind of talked about it, but allowing Yaz and the doctor to do their thing. And mm-hmm. again, I'll go back to one of my favorite things is this was a power woman show. And if you have Dan running around in it, then you lose some of that magic. And I think over and above, Dan is the new guy. You know, he's had the mm-hmm. least amount of, of invested time in in this scope. And so he gets to tee it up because he's part of the current team and he's there for the opening adventure and that's Salvo, um, which also ha- kind of has the significance of that Grazius, the giant glowy energy sentient ball. Quarinx. Right, that. It's a lot of Those weren't even the right letters. Nope. I don't know. It's like reading Welsh. It has no vowels. Um but but at least it, it connects to that as well. But I, I think it's a good thing for him right off the jump to say, all right, yeah, I'm part of this team, but uh, you know what? This is getting to be really intense. I took a shot to the face. <laughs> I, I understand yeah. from a character reason why he would leave. Like, I get that. Yeah. I just, it felt clunky to have him there for such a short period of time at the beginning and then have him immediately gone. I agree. Mm-hmm. I, I think that having him exit at the end of the last special would have felt a lot smoother. Okay. But. but anybody who skipped the end of last special would then be like, who's this guy? Where'd he come from when you get to the very end? Or mm. you just, he's completely out of the episode. So, yeah. All right. So second question I've got is the, the closure on Thasman. Was it acceptable or at least forgivable? It's two very different questions. If you didn't know that it existed, you wouldn't know from this special that it existed. It's true. It's true. True. Uh, unless you were really reading into Mandip's face, because she was telegraphing. Mm-hmm. You, I watched her mm-hmm. through all the sequences because I thought if any of them was just going to flat out just grab somebody by the jaw, it was going to be her. But back of the next, more romantic, but okay. <laughs> well, the way they were, the way they were sitting, and they had ice cream in their hands. That'd right. be, it's, it's really dangerous. Yeah. Really dangerous. <laughs> Although, from mm. the doctor's perspective. Keeping the distance, I can forgive it because they are aware so much the mortality of their companions, which is very apparent in this episode. It's the reason why they don't say goodbye. They have to just leave. So I can forgive it, but it doesn't mean I like it. Yeah. My thing is it went from subtext to being explicitly stated. And then in this one, it felt like it got dropped back to subtext again. It's quite possible. But let this sit with you. Every modern doctor has kissed somebody except 13. Yep. That sucks. <laughs> sucks. The third question I've got is why specifically St. Petersburg in 1916? Was it all simply to mess with Tegan or is there more reason there? Ra, ra, Rasputin. Oh, man. <laughs> I, I, all right. Sasha Dewan was a goddamn tour de force oh yeah in this story he was amazing on his highs and his lows when he was in his position of power and when he was brought low fantastic i watched that all day long but in what he is portraying for the master and the fact that he is is having he's getting to see these familiar faces from his past regenerations and getting to have i get to screw with tegan and ace again and and that little bit of it, the the reveling in that is so reminiscent of his previous incarnations that I would not put it past him to put this 
massive component of this intricate cyber master Dalek plan, cyber Dalek master plan, still working on the title, uh, to to say, you know what? I'm going to put this whole chunk of it in just to mess with Javanka. Wouldn't put it past him. He didn't know that they were there, though. He knew. <laughs> because he, he ingested the Siberium and said that he was seeing things and strategizing four steps ahead. And oh, and he, he sent her the he doll, so he the, knew. Yeah, yeah. He sent yeah. The okay, doll okay, all right, all right. But as for why he did, did that rather than choosing any other position in history, I think it kind of just goes along with, I mean, if you want somebody who had mind manipulative powers, well, yeah, that's your crazy priest. Plus they already had a song picked out. True. <laughs> yeah. That was the whole reason for it. They just wanted to use that song. And the disco <laughs> planet <laughs> conversion <laughs> thing? I don't know. I think that entire yeah. sequence was worth it just to see the Cybermen and the Dalek give side eye to each other. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> Are we sure we picked the right side of this? Uh, can we, I, we, can we still don't... go find the golden serpent out in that asteroid somewhere? Can we <laughs> yeah. work with him? If they don't turn that scene into just a trailer for the show in general to advertise it to new viewers, they're wasting their money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, I, I will say when we when we got the image of... Uh, of the master early on, and we we joked about him having a Rasputin beard. We were not trying to be prophetic, but you know, <laughs> you can't help Such magic sometimes. Is. All right. So, final question I have is: Why did ten, or do I dare say fourteen, uh, regenerate into a new suit? Unprecedented. Yeah. Because it looked cool, <laughs> and okay. it gives them cosplay leverage. Instead of waiting for so long for him to pick out a new outfit. But it's not a new outfit. It's just missing the the, the, the suit coat. It's a it's no, a, it's, it's a new it's a whole take. new pattern. It's a yeah, it's a new take on his look because it's a new uh it's a new three piece. All right. It's a yeah. knit tie, because that's tenant's influence. Uh-huh. Him, I think he likes knit ties. Knit ties. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but so there's the rule of cool, obviously. Mm-hmm. There's the recognizability factor of it and just the fact that, you know, okay, f- fans are going to get that. And and then as uh, as our friend Riley Silverman pointed out, um, they had already broken production and shot everything up to – they handed it over to the new crew. This was Rachel Talalay directing for this final sequence here. So she was there to see David in, and they had already put away the costumes and all that stuff was done, and they weren't going to make a whole new coat in David's size because David's – notably taller than Jody. Yeah. No, he has to be a tall guy in a little coat. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they're going to crack that thing back out. They, they can put Sasha in it because Sasha is like her height. Yeah. They are the same size. He's a tiny dude. He looks good in that coat, by the way. He did look good. Yeah, yeah, he did. Uh, and with the, the ear jewelry, I yeah. liked it very much. Yeah, having to make the, the magnet back versions of the of the cuff earrings and stuff for for his ears uh, they they look so much bigger on his head than they do on Jody's without her hair kind of obscuring it half yeah. the time yeah it's true yeah. like does she really wear that much bling in her ear it never looked so huge i will say it was it was kind of fun like watching some of those scenes and being like i've i've sat in the same room as three of those people on screen right now like the only person that i hadn't actually like met in person was vendor that's true mm-hmm. yeah Oh, and uh, and uh, kudos to our, our our friend Kevin who pegged the fact that that last sequence put both Jody and David on a cliff with the uh, creator of Broadchurch at the helm. <laughs> so nothing lost on that little bit of meta humor. True. All in all, wow. Yeah. 
I haven't heard anybody walk away from this and not say, oh, pretty damn good. So for a Chibnall story. Well, except for the people that have been hating since she was announced as the doctor. They still hate. We don't talk about them. They might be saying they hate secretly in the inside. They squeed. They're mad at themselves <laughs> for liking it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what was that rock song from the 90s? I hate myself for loving you. <laughs> like Joan Jett or Lita Ford or something. Out of nowhere, uh, we get the announcement today that uh, BBC is uh, joining forces with Disney Plus for streaming of season 14. That's a long release. So, so it was yeah. a joint joint press release between uh, Disney and the BBC. So they collaborated on the writing up. So there's a ton of information to, to kind of parse through. And, and a lot of it is just saying, we're so proud. We're so happy. It's so wonderful. Don't you love us? We're amazing. And immediately people see Disney next to the new Doctor Who logo and say, all right, does this mean that we get Cybermen in the theme parks now? (laughs) (laughs) And and, and related uh, Mm -hmm. things. But I I think that makes Yasmin a Disney princess. um, No, I saw the one that said Cassandra is the new Disney princess canon. (laughs) No, I think Liz Tin might be a Disney princess now, though. (laughs) She's Disney queen. There we go. Mm -hmm. Uh, but if you'll notice that uh, in the in the closing paragraphs of that press release, it is a it corroborates what RTD had been throwing out on Instagram lately, just to kind of mess with people and say, no, 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 get your count straight, because it really has absolutely no bearing on the show whatsoever. So we'll just put this out there and say, canonically, Tenant is now fourteen. B, though, right? <laughs> There's no B. No. Well, because A just happened. We watched that. What? What? The forced regeneration. Well, okay. So Sasha. Sasha 14A. I'll reach out to Russell later and we'll get this <laughs> locked down and say, you know, if you really want to be pedantic about it, it's That's... 15 and 16 now. Yep. Oh, actually, because... since we're Are we counting about Handy that. Doctor or the War <laughs> Doctor? Because I think we're up to like 27 at this point. <laughs> but Sasha literally said out loud, I, I am the doctor. <laughs> and nobody from the back of the room went, excuse me, I have a comment and a question. Nobody from the back of the hall. I have a question, so. though, because why did he need to do the force regeneration into the doctor instead of just like imprisoning the doctor and then running around saying, I'm the doctor now? Because he actually was the doctor at that point. He was mm-hmm. the doctor had regenerated into him the same way that mm-hmm. the like different regenerations of Time Lords can see each other in and recognize like, oh, you're the person that I knew previously, even though you've got mm-hmm. a new face. He was legitimately the doctor. Plus it gave so, him control of the TARDIS. True. D- yes. Do we also think that when he went back, he would take those memories with him? Hmm. So does the doctor now have an explicit understanding of the master's memories because they've walked in their shoes for a while? Or did that get rolled back? I think they should keep those memories and some of that, uh, the crossover. And I think that should be a little bit of why we get back somebody who dealt really closely with the master in our recent memory. Mm. Well, we might have some of these questions answered on Disney plus next year. (laughs) That's true. That's true. You know, this works for me because I was trying to figure out how to stream this last night 
And that was not a quick process. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's messy. So this is going to clean up quite a bit of that. And I think this is also really going to help with a lot of the other market areas, too, for Canadian viewers, Australian viewers, mm-hmm. I, I, I think. I, I believe that this is going to help, help solve a lot Every, of those ills. Everything outside of the UK gets Doctor Who on Disney Plus same day as the BBC iPlayer. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Which, I'm so, a so, fan. Yeah. Whatever mm-hmm. that uh, whatever that setback is from broadcast time or you know whatever the statute is uh, before it rolls out. That's awesome. And then if you need one last thing to be able to kind of you know, see you happily uh, back to work the next day as if you haven't gotten enough you know, things to, to make you grin when you sit there and stare into your, your tea mug for a minute and go, oh, wasn't that awesome to see Ian Chesterton or, or whatever, the, the, whatever the thing is you're grinning about? Um, go watch two minutes of, uh, of Shooty talking about uh, how to explain Doctor Who to, to new viewers who might be coming on and try to wrap your head around his pronunciation of TARDIS. <laughs> I, I sat and watched this today and like I grinning ear to ear the whole time. I was like, this is the new doctor. I'm so excited. Like there's just something about the energy he brought just to this interview that was mm-hmm. like, this is going to be fantastic. Like you can tell that he loves this. He is reveling in, uh, in this role I can't wait to see what he brings to the actual show. I think this is the earliest I've been like, yep, that's my doctor. This is going to be great. I'm not worried at all. I didn't have to wait for that curve to come around. The, Who's this guy? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Skipped right well, over that. I will admit, minus when Jody just regenerated, because, you know, 1030 was my doctor. So then it's like, mm-hmm. that was easy. But yeah, this is, it's great. I like it very much. Um, we've been having some conversations with a number of folks over on the various social media channels about uh, takes on particular sequences and and uh, and statements from you know within the transcript and stuff. So if you want to be a part of that conversation, please do. Um, I was sharing some thoughts uh, the other night about closing lines uh, about the difference between uh, twelve saying "Doctor, I let you go" uh, as opposed to thirteen saying "Tag, you're it," and the kind of the the difference in in what a lot of those statements uh, can mean for uh, for character identity and, and self value, um, so yeah, uh, please jump in on on social media and be a part of this because we could talk about this for a long time and we're going to have to because we've got a calendar year before the specials begin. But uh, next time we come back, uh, we're going to be continuing our celebration of the past with our official watch and response to the 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 biopic, uh, an adventure in space and time. Yeah, twenty thirteen. Yeah. It's probably yeah. good that we get around to it now. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I think it's BBC. totally worth yeah. it. <laughs> I think it gives you a good sense of the history of it, especially at a time when uh, we we could look back on that. Yep. Share our thoughts. And get more Sasha Dewan. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this has been episode 480 of Gallifrey Public Radio. Until next time, this is Jay saying, I don't know if I'm ready for David Tennant to break my heart with another regeneration. And this is Kier saying, hey, a man's allowed to experiment. (laughs) (laughs) This is Julie saying, we are not finished. We being GPR, as as we are, but, but... we're not doing it in robes. <laughs> <laughs> and this is Haley saying, this podcast still has smiles in it. If you have an excellent engineer, which I am. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you next time. I'll see. Cheers. Bye. 
Thanks for joining us for another episode of Gallifrey Public Radio. Want to keep the conversation going? You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Or just send us a good old-fashioned email to feedback at gallifreypublicradio.com. You can also give us a phone call at 754-225-5477. That's 754-CALL-GPR. And you may hear your voice on a future episode of the show. Everything's got to end sometime. Otherwise, nothing would ever get started. Join us next week for a brand new episode. See you next week.